You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I am your host, Michael Kushner, and it is an absolute honor to be recording this podcast for you during quarantine. Thank you to Broadway Podcast Network for offering resources to so many artists out there who still have a voice, who still have things to say, and who are still pushing forward. I just wanted to say thank you to all the artists who listen to this podcast. I love hearing from you and talking all things art, theater, inspiration, creation, and more. We're in a tough place right now and without our dear theater, but Broadway takes planning and listening and impulses. And right now we have to act as if Broadway is still up and running because she'll be back soon and stronger than ever. And we have to be ready. We all know what it's like when we come back from a vacation and she hasn't had one in years to remind you all. I have had some incredible guests this past year on Dear Multi-Hyphenate, and now it's time to enter almost a season two of sorts. So Dear Multi-Hyphenate is getting a facelift. As we know, the world around us is moving swiftly, so I promise to stay relevant, topical, and focused. The point of Dear Multi-Hyphenate is so that you, an artist with multiple proficiencies, can be the boss of every artistic endeavor you tackle. And in order for you to get more out of this podcast, I am making it interactive. I'll be releasing episodes every two weeks and on Instagram, Dear Multi-Hyphenate, you'll be able to interact with me and answer prompts, questions, and assignments that will keep you in tip-top shape even during quarantine. For instance, you'll see Multi-Hyphenate Monday, where I'll be posting videos with tips and tricks that will inspire you to get out of your quarantine rut, out of your head, and into the spotlight. You'll have heard about your why, saying yes, saying no, imagination, and more. You could take part in Thirsty Thursdays, where I'll be posting journal prompts inspired by awesome quotes from my guests, pro tips, and questions of the day. Those are just a few examples of how Dear Multi-Hyphenate is no longer just a podcast, but an experience. And at the end of each podcast, I'll be giving you a recap of what we chatted about in this episode, and I want you to share with me how you implemented that into your week's artistic journey. And when you do, please message me at Dear Multi-Hyphenate or at the Michael Kushner or post it and tag me. And if that isn't enough for you, you can coach with me. I love having one-on-one Zooms with you and we can work on career goals, theatrical career planning, multi-hyphenate skills, your why, and much, much more. I've seen incredible progress with clients and I got a text from a client the other day saying he felt stronger and more grounded as a performer after the work we did together. That's like the best fucking compliment you could ever get. So let's dive into this week's episode. 
My new tradition in this season two of sorts is beginning with a quote, and I want to talk about happiness. And since our guest is a writer, music maker, brilliant person, what better way than to quote lyrics from Schultz, Gesner, and Gordon's musical, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Happiness is finding a pencil, pizza with sausage, telling the time. Happiness is learning to whistle, tying your shoe for the very first time. Happiness is playing the drum in your own school band, and happiness is walking hand in hand. For me, these lyrics are very emotional. First of all, they bring me to a time when I was, you know, first introduced to musical theater, and I think Charlie Brown came out in 99, so I was eight years old, and um, I sang this song in a uh, in an after-school performing arts uh, showcase, and so it's emotional as it's sentimental, but ultimately it reminds us to stay true, uh, true to the simple things. Uh, happiness can come out of just walking hand and especially in quarantine when we can't really even do that. But when we can take socially distant walks with our friends and just see each other for a few minutes and sit, you know, in Riverside park, if you're a uh, Harlem girl like me or, um, meeting in uh, sheep meadow or just going for a socially distant coffee. That's it's very uh, it's very important now as we've been cooped up in our homes for quite some time and unable to really uh, collaborate artistically in a rehearsal room. Uh, uh, my boyfriend and I just this past weekend with our puppy, we went apple picking and just being able to go do that and, and just experience uh, something that is so normal uh, that's happiness. And, We've had so much happiness taken away from us, especially in our political climate that and a global pandemic that um, it is okay to be happy and it is okay to find normalcy and do joyful things and do things for yourself. Um, and it's, you know, having the Pippin complex is a real thing. There's always more, there's something bigger. There's always something bigger than me and I have to be in search of it. But really, I mean, just having that last slice of cake or learning to whistle, tying your shoe, uh, that's happiness. And, and we deserve to experience that. So I hope that, uh, inspires you to go on your merry way, uh, with joy and love in your heart and focus on happiness. And speaking of happiness, today's guest brings me so much happiness. Rona Siddiqui is an award-winning composer, lyricist, orchestrator, and music director based in New York City. Rona was the music director for the Pulitzer Prize-winning production of A Strange Loop with Playwrights Horizons. She is the recipient of the 2020 Jonathan Larson Grant and the 2019 Billy Burke Ziegfeld Award and was named one of Broadway Women's Fund's Women to Watch. Her show, Salam Medina, Tales of a Hafghan, an autobiographical comedy about growing up by ethnic in America, had a developmental workshop at Playwrights Horizons in November 2019. She has also received the ASCAP Foundation Mary Rogers and Lorenz Hart Award and the ASCAP Foundation Max Dreyfus Scholarship. She has been commissioned to write songs for the Wicked's 16th anniversary commemoration, Flying Free, as well as Broadway Inspirational Voices, The Civilians, and New York City Gay Men's Chorus, Musematch, 50 Second Street Project, and the web series Amateur Dicks. You can catch Rona next as a part of the annual Broadway Buskers Summer Concert Series, which features Broadway actors and composers performing their own original music. 
Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the concerts will be virtual this year on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time through October 27th at tsq.org forward slash Broadway Buskers. While the concerts are still free, audiences are encouraged to donate to Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS COVID-19 Emergency Assistance Fund and the Broadway Advocacy Coalition. You can head to Times Square Alliance's YouTube channel to see all the performances and please donate. Please visit our website, www.ronasiddiquif.com for more. And now, I'm so excited to welcome musical multi-hyphenate, Rona Siddiqui. Hello. Hello, Michael. How are you? Ah, well, I feel very happy now after just really focusing on, on happiness and joy and, and thinking about little things that make me happy. So thank you for that. Well, I like when I have a guest on, I don't, I don't like to um, share what the quote is going to be because then it allows for an organic sort of uh, reaction or experience. Mm. And we're not sort of uh, thinking about how I can relate, but rather it just, it just sort of happens. Yeah. And organic artistry is what it's all about, right? Absolutely. I really am super, super giddy that you're here because I'm such a fan of your work. So Thank, Thank you. you. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. So um, talk to us a little bit about your background. Where are you from? How did you wind up here in this very moment? What do we have to know about you? Oh gosh. Um, I was born in New York uh, and I am also, so, so, and then I uh, grew up in California. So I um, moved back to New York in 2010 to go to NYU's graduate musical theater writing program. So technically this is my 10 year anniversary being back, but I already was a legit New Yorker because I was born here. So now I'm like a double legit New Yorker, but I still yes. claim my Cali cred. I feel like really happy in both, in both worlds. I feel like uh, when I, when I saw you, it was like, uh, I saw the Cali, I saw the yeah. NY and also, you know, people are now saying, Hey, if you were here during the pandemic, if you, if you did New York city, yeah. in the pandemic, you're a New Yorker. That's right. That's right. And I, I was, I was here in my little Harlem, Harlem hovel, uh, <laughs> topping it out. <laughs> I love um, that. I love yeah. that. And so, so what else? So, uh, so you're, you're a Cali, you're a New Yorker, you went to NYU for grad school. And, um, how was it, how was your transition after grad school? How did you find yourself artistically? Uh, how was life for you? Yeah, let me, I'll back up a little bit because, um, so I did my undergrad at UCLA. Um, and then I moved to the San Francisco Bay area for a while. And at that time I was kind of like, small scale music directing, community theater and children's camps and things like that. And I was teaching piano lessons and very fulfilling work, but also feeling like something was um, like missing inside of me. There was some element that I, I wasn't feeling fully joyful and I didn't know what that was until I applied for NYU's graduate musical theater writing program. And, and that's kind of when everything came into focus that um, I realized I'm a storyteller and that musical theater was the medium that I wanted to uh, explore that through. So it took me a while to get to that place in my life. And, but once I figured it out, I became laser focused. So did the two years at NYU and graduated. And I didn't really flounder in terms of my focus at that time. I was just like, I am here. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to meet people. I'm ready to make this life happen that I, that I see for myself. So it was just a matter of still needing to survive, which is where the music directing jobs came in. Um, 
and then figuring out how to balance that with the writing. What you said in the beginning was that you realized that the storytelling implement of your art was sort of missing. And that's why you might have been feeling not joyful with your very fulfilling work, but there right. was a joy. So th- that's interesting. And that's sort of, you know, um, I, that opens me up to the bigger picture. It's like, I'm wondering if there are so many artists today that have this great impulse, which I've talked about impulses before, but they have um, a great impulse for an idea, but it lacks a storytelling element. And that's why people might not follow through with that great idea or that impulse because there's a lack of storytelling and storytelling is what we do. That's why we're in the theater. That's why we're here is because we're storytellers. And, um, and I'm also wondering if that's probably why some people took a break from the industry or sort of moved away because the storytelling element of our lives with Broadway shutdown has significantly decreased, but Ultimately, there are stories to be told everywhere, which you have done during quarantine with a lot of the things that you've been sort of self-producing and participating in. Yeah. I mean, there are always stories to be told. That's it's It goes back to as long as there have been humans, there have been stories that's been fundamental to who we are and how we uh, connect with each other in the in the world. So it's just a matter of, do I have the... Um, this, the the skills to kind of uh, develop an idea and see it through. Uh, do I have the fortitude to do that? Versus like like you're saying, it's like, oh, I have an idea. I don't know how many times I've had ideas and then I just maybe jot it down and then I, that's it. But how do you develop the, the fortitude, the practice and the skills to see a nugget of an idea all the way through? So how do you? So if we're, if, uh, if we're talking to some budding multi-hyphenates here that have an impulse that have an idea, but aren't quite sure of how to see it through, how, how do you personally, Rona, develop the fortitude to see something through? For me, it came down to one piece of advice that I got at NYU. um, And that was that you should always allow yourself to write the bad version of whatever you're working on so that because I think that's what stops a lot of people is like you know they hit that wall or they're like ah this is crappy Uh, I don't know Eh, never mind but if you allow just say I'm going to allow this to be crappy I'm going to sit down and write every day and it may be total silliness poppycocks hogwash but I'm gonna do it anyway you know um, I think that that really helps because it's still your brain is constantly jogging, jogging, you know, jostling it around and ping ponging it and working out the puzzle. And you have to allow that to happen in the background while you're in the foreground writing your crappy version in the background. Other things are happening that'll make it, you know, that you just trust that it'll come out right in the yeah. end. There are certain things that I've written when I, I was like 10, 11. I wrote a Haunted Mansion musical when I was oh that age. And it was it, it was three acts. And I didn't know Whoa. what that I, – Yeah, well, that's because, you know, like my inspirations are like the Titanic, you know, Titanic, <laughs> yeah. the film Titanic and like, you know um, – Th- uh, Les Mis. So it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm used to long-winded sitting through things. Yeah. Epics, 90-minute musicals, 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Epics. And so give me two intermissions. I love it. Yes. And, and so I, um, you know, I have the binder in my studio uh, that I like to look at once in a while. And it has the music that I wrote in finale. I just, I didn't know music yet, but I, pl- I put in different music notes and I replayed it back to just hear how it would sound yeah. until I liked it. And, but but still that creating and just being like, I'm going to throw spaghetti against the wall and see what kind of six has affected. I'm 29 now. And it something I created when I'm 10, 11, 12, I could still refer back to and, and it will affect me. You know, it's someone, yes. someone found out about that musical that I wrote and they think that I should produce it for my 30th birthday at 54 below as written. Yes. Yes. I didn't Heath Saunders do that. He did that. He wrote a sh- something in high school and he did it at 54 Below. It's that's so and it's so kind to your inner artist as well. It's sort of going, thank you f- uh for listening to yourself and thank you younger me because uh my therapist and I were talking about this about about sort of um uh, imagining your younger self by the nickname that they went by and uh and sort of acknowledging them in that way. And it's sort of like really lovely and kind to treat your younger self um, or Mikey in my experience and producing his show. Oh yeah. Do it for Mikey. (laughs) Do it for Mikey. (laughs) I think like, I think back to, to my, you know, myself as a child and um, my biggest issue was overcoming fear. Because, and I think that's why, you know, allowing yourself to write the bad version is, is so, um, big to me because I, I battled perfectionism and I was afraid to say or do anything that wasn't going to be perfect. That wasn't going to garner, um, other people saying, wow, you are so smart and amazing and talented. Like the thought of somebody criticizing me was terrifying. Um, and so how do you get around that? You just avoid taking risks. And if you avoid taking risks, you're um, you're not pushing yourself as an artist and you're not allowing for true, um, true, exciting creation from you, from yourself. So, uh, yes. Yeah. So, look, so I was just thinking, I don't know why I was thinking about this this morning and, um, you know, talking, thinking about oh, what it means to be multi hyphenate or whatever. But I was thinking about the first time I ever orchestrated something. I was uh, maybe 10 and I had won some award at the music school that I went to as a kid that I took piano lessons at. And one of the things was they had, it was at the University of Redlands where I grew up and they offered each winner to write a song and they would be performed by the college students there. And any instrument, any instrument that you want. And little 10 year old me was just like, what's weird? What's like a weird combo I can come up with? And I came up with just like piano, violin and saxophone. I just thought my 10 year old brain was like, that's interesting because who does that? And then I, but I was terrified because I'd never written anything, but I still remember the little melody that I came up with for piano and violin and saxophone. You know, I can still hear them performing it. And, And that joy, that like excitement that pitter patter of your heart when you're just like oh my gosh you know that's my thing you know it came out of my brain and now it's coming out of their instruments why yeah yes that and 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 that's oh my god and now i'm thinking back of like when i was like 10 and when i was uh, and i was going i remember learning for me it was when i learned counterpoint Mm 
the mm-hmm. idea of counterpoint in yes. music. And yes. I was like a 12 year old on stage and like singing songs that were like written with counter. Like um, I did, uh, I think I was like thir- I was 13 when I did the Scarlet Pimpernel and in Pimpernel in Madame Guillotine in the opening, there's, there's counterpoint with Chablon singing. And then there's the, uh, there's the round underneath and forget about one day more. It's my favorite song in the world, <laughs> but like, learning this like new thing with music and being so proud about it on stage and like carrying that feeling with you throughout your life when we're able to sort of like take our perfectionist hat off and really sort of live in, I learned something today. I learned this and now look at the product because I was able to listen and learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of British competition shows. Uh-huh. Um, so like Bake Off in this house is like. I live for that show. It is my, that's one of my greatest joys. Are you, are you like all caught up? I watched episode one of season eight. Thank you. Okay. So, so that's how I know that you're a Bake Off person because, um, because you're watching the new season Yeah, and it's just like, it's, it's so perfect because of their, um, their intentions going in, they just, they love what they do and they're willing to learn and adapt their ego. There's like no ego in the show period. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's my favorite thing about it. That's my favorite thing about it. It's just unbelievable. And I think that watching these shows and there's the great pottery throwdown now, which is the same thing, but with pottery. Oh my God. I haven't seen that one. It's I, it's, it's amazing. It's really brilliant, but they're, their egos are gone. They're willing to listen. They are willing to learn and they're building a community and they're just there to have fun and create and express themselves. And, yeah. and I think that, I think that that really falls under the idea of skill and fortitude and understanding that failure just comes with the package. Yes. Um, can we also just talk about glow up for one second? Did you watch glow up? So funny because I'm literally in the finale episode of season two. Like it's on pause. Okay, great. Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure. Cause that's, that falls under the same umbrella of like insane artistry, you know, beautiful competition, pushing yourself. Well, yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In season two, there's um, there's that young competitor, the one with the lips. Mm-hmm. The, um, you know, and when he was asked to sort of explain why he chose a certain choice in the makeup. And he kind of was listening to everyone else and came up with a BS answer of like, well, I reverted back to my, and they were like, no, 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 not buying it. 
we know you're BSing us. And I thought that was so amazing because I remember those days of college when I had to justify everything. I had to make my professors happy. I had to, you know, please everyone. But the failure of just not knowing. Yeah. You know? Oh, I love those shows. I'm glad you brought up Glow Up. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. So (laughs) speaking of create uh, of creating and just being so brilliant and growing up you have created so and been a part of so many things that are taking the world by storm i mean with a strange loop right like yeah being a, being a being a part of mtf and watching that that amazing show start from the beginning and and work its way all the way up to winning a freaking pulitzer i mean how mm-hmm. brilliant is that Talk to me about your experience with A Strange Loop. I mean, I came onto A Strange Loop a little bit, you know, later in the game because, you know, that show's been in development for a long time. So I think my first workshop with uh, with it was 2018, maybe just the year before. Um, and I was just floored, shocked, uh, in awe. I, I don't know what, you know, what even words to use, but um, I just remember us all thinking like, this is either going to be really revolutionary or it's going to be so panned and destroyed. We didn't, I didn't know. I did not know how it was going to be received. And so that, and that's, that's when you know that you've got something, you know, that is it. This was like the ultimate in risk taking is a strange loop. How, raw and honest of a story is it that i mean if you haven't listened to the it please go listen to it like right after you finish listening to this because it'll blow your mind listen listen to that cast album i mean it's i mean it's amazing and your work is your work is amazing and uh i just find it to be such an incredibly important piece um so you know you're talking about risks and how have you brought um have you brought that experience uh, into your life afterwards? How has that affected you? And is there a lesson that you learned with a strange loop that um, continues to uh, exist in all the work that you've, that you've been doing afterwards? I think, well, first of all, when I choose a piece to music direct, uh, there are some criteria that, that it must, that must be in place. And, and one of them is that I feel like I can learn something as a writer from working on whatever show it is. So shows like Kirsten Child's Bella and American Tall Tale and, and uh, A Strange Leap are perfect examples of that. So while I am doing my job as a music director, which is more um, interpretive and, and a nurturing um, job, in the back of my mind, the creative wheels are also turning. How did how did he convert this very serious moment into comedy? How does he get from here to here? How is he taking this most delicate um, moment in his life that happened and turning it into a piece of art that he can, and how many layers is he separating himself? You know, all of these things I'm thinking about and how, how I'm going to apply that to Slamadina Tales of Hafkin because that show is also, you know, it's, you know, loosely based on my life. And so I'm always questioning myself. Are you being fully honest here or just halfway honest here? (laughs) You know, like, because I'm also thinking, 
I don't want to hurt anybody that I love, you know, because when you're telling your own story, you're inevitably talking about your friends and family because these are the people who helped shape and guide you. And it's not like I'm, I'm telling a story that's all roses because that's not necessarily interesting. So, uh, but if I'm going to be critical of people in my life, how can I do that in a way that's both honest and loving and nuanced and complex? And Michael nailed that. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's so that's, I mean, you bring up amazing points because um, I'm very close with my family, you yeah. know, and, but ultimately we are humans. So there are things that I had no problem calling out like random cousins uh, on a live show the other day. I've like <laughs> ran, random cousins. Like, like I haven't seen in years that yeah. I, I don't even think that they like publicly say that they're Jewish, like that are Trump wow. supporters. And like, mm-hmm. I called, I called them out on a live show and was like, I have random cousins that support yes. Trump. So like, that's, I'm a little more removed from that where I'm kind of like, it's also like, you know, I associate, that Trump supporting with stupidity and just like, like, you know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. just me. Um, But, uh, but with my, like with my immediate family that has raised me and provided me with resources and support, it's like thinking of, of how do I, I I can't pay you back by writing, by exposing your flaws. Like how, how would I shift that and Mm -hmm. make, and tell the story truthfully, but also like protect you know, your soul. Exactly. Exactly. So that's you know, the balance. That is the balance that I'm working on. That's, I'm, that's beautiful. And I'm glad that you said that because um, I think that's something that really keeps me in check just because like, I, I am close with my family and um, mm-hmm. I am protective of them. I yeah, am protective same, of their same. stories as well. And I'm mm-hmm. proud of them too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a no bigger supporters in my life and my career than my family. I would not be here if it were not for them and their support, there's like no way, there's just no way. Exactly. And um, you're also a huge part of, uh, I think something that was absolutely (laughs) spellbinding for lack of a better word. And that was uh, the 16th um, anniversary of Wicked. And uh, you're part of a uh, songwriting experience that was called Flying Free. Now, can, can you talk about, that because the song that you wrote is so epic and it's so brilliant because Dr. Dilliman does not get his just desserts and he's just a great, we the love Dr. Dilliman. Yeah. Can you talk to me about that experience? Because the song is a bop. It's just so great. <laughs> so what was that like? Yeah. So, you know, they were so cool. They were just like, we're going to go send you to the show. Uh, and we just want you to to respond to it in any in any way. Just what inspires you about it, um, and and just write anything you want. They were just like carte blanche. Here's a blank piece of paper. Just go. So at that point, I think I'd seen the show maybe like four times, whether from within the pit or out of the pit or whatever. I think I'd seen the show maybe four times. Um, but I purposely I did I walked in like. I didn't want to come in and be like, you know, I think I'm going to write about this or, and, you know, I just didn't, I just was like, I'm going to let it wash over me in a new way. And just in this moment right now, today, I'm going to see what hits me. And I was actually shocked, Michael, with how it was so resonant in terms of what's going on politically right now, in terms of, you know, the themes of authoritarianism and controlling the media. I mean, just like 
create, uh, you know, trying to um, instill fear, sowing fear so that you can control like all of these things that are literally happening right now is in that. It It was even, uh, People related to it in the Bush era, in the Bush administration, because yeah. the yeah. show came out in 03. Right. So like, so people were even like being like, this sounds like it's what we're experiencing. So now in Trump's administration, yeah. it's like even more. So I'm, right. I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah. And I know I haven't read the book, but people have told me that that theme is even like more prominent in the in the book. Whereas in the show, they, you know, they're focusing a lot on this, this friendship and this relationship, which is cool, cool, cool. But I did. I, it just did get me thinking about Dr. Dillman and like, you know, like being that one person that's supposed to be there to represent an entire, you know, group of people and speak for an entire group of people or be there to show the world this like uh, topical, like, oh, look how good we are because we have this, this kind of person in our midst. So therefore we're, we're good. See, right. We're good. Right. Yeah, we're good. Um, and I know I've been in that room. I've been in many rooms where I know that's why I'm there because I'm a woman. I check off two boxes, Michael. I'm a woman and I'm a woman of color. So they're like, yes, double, you know. Um, wow. So it was just kind of writing from from that experience. I think it's a great song. And I actually, I want to play it for everyone because I think it's so brilliant. So uh, here's none other than Michael Kilgore. Catherine Allison and Gisela Menez singing the token goat song by none other than Arona Siddiqui. In a room, look around, no one looks like me. No reflection in film or ads or TV. Get the job, fill the quota, feel so lonely. Can't be the only one, won't be the only one. Smile and nod, make them feel nice and comfy. Chime in just as long as it's in harmony. With the thoughts and the deeds of his wizardry Can't be the only one, won't be the only one And I've been hoping all this time To someone's beat that isn't mine This is the token gold song Not the sugar the whole herd when's the last time your family all concurred can't be the only one won't be the only one see my skin as a wind give themselves a hand they feel safe as they pop their heads back in the sand left alone trying to figure out just where i stand can't be the only one won't be the only one and i've been praying till
Okay, so that, I just, I'm literally obsessed over that song. I think it is so brilliant. And it's a bop. And, like, the lyrics, like, tell your story in your own way. Yeah. You know, that's, but that is so relatable to things that we talk about as artists, and especially on this podcast. And I just feel that you're one of the artists that live that truth and live that honesty of telling stories in your own way. And um, we talked a little bit about uh, Salam Medina, but um, I, I want to know for you uh, maybe what it's like to write about something so personal. Um, we tapped into it a little bit, but what have been your joys since, you know, keeping in the theme of happiness, what has been a, a, your, uh, the joys and the happiness that has come with writing something so personal for you? I think anytime you are writing from your deepest place of um, truth and authenticity, you um, it's just, it's a, it's a joyful place to write from. And I honestly cannot really write from another place at this point. I think, and, and again, I think that comes from, you know, I, I started this career a little bit later than a lot of people. And so I, I know myself maybe a little deeper at this point in my life. And so accessing that has been, um, it just gets easier and easier. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that this is what I get to do. So for younger artists and now, right now I'm just speaking um, to writers, what would you um, recommend to them? How would you tell them to start where, uh, what's some, uh, you know, um, uh, what should they be cautious about? What should they be excited about? That's a really good question. I think, I think a lot about like mimic mimicry or like, pastiche like where sometimes we're like oh well I heard this person write this song about this thing in this way so I'll do that and maybe that's good as as an exploratory exercise but then you want to throw that away and then you want to not not judge your influences are there your, your experience as a human is there. And, and again, I'm, when I'm saying like, oh, I'm older, I know myself better. That doesn't mean that you as a 20-year-old don't have lived experiences and feeling, deep feelings from which to draw. Of course you do. Of course you do. It's trusting it. That's, that's the thing. Tr- knowing it, living with it, trusting it, and let, allowing that to be whatever it is. Even if that suddenly you're realizing, if I distill this feeling or this moment down, all the way down, this song is only two chords, but your but your like music brain is like, but I need it to be much more complex than that. I need it to have like jazz chords, and I need it to be you know I need it to go here, and then I need a key change. I know I need a key change, and well, surely this must be mixed meter because that's what I that's what I've been you know let go of it all, let go of it all, and if it needs to be two chords, let it be two chords, let it be like a, a one and four chord, let it be that. It's okay. I love that. And you bring up mimicry just so casually. And it's like, that is, that is a huge lesson for so many people. How many years have I spent watching Adina Menzel and, and wanting to be Mm -hmm. her and trying to be her? I mean, 
I, I first still so in love with her and such an admirer of her, but like trying to be her gets me nowhere. I think I do like mm-hmm. certain hidden Mickey's when I perform and I'm always like, I'm going to throw in a little Adina here just to like <laughs> make myself yeah. laugh and keep me entertained. Yeah. But there's an article that, and I love it. I love bringing this up. There's an article. Um, I was doing big, the musical, uh, my freshman year of high school and we were, our high school was tied with an equity house. So we were doing it with adults and I played young Josh Baskin and my voice hadn't changed yet. So I was like before bed, just like belting defying gravity. And, um, and there was a, uh, I was asked about my experience playing young Josh Baskin and I wrote, and in the article, it says, uh, Michael Kushner says, young Josh Baskin is smart, fiery, and misunderstood. That was taken directly from the Wicked website describing the character of Elphaba. That I, I was like, yeah, Josh Baskin, he's smart, fiery, and misunderstood. Like, <laughs> which is funny, which is funny. But mimicry, yeah. it's like what I could have done was dive deeper and find find my own Josh Baskin and – and that's, I think, really important for so many of us as we're creating during quarantine. It's like we can be inspired by things. Uh, and even if it's like a um, if it's a, uh, um, you know, a, a farce or if it's a direct uh, response to a style, that's cool. But mimicry is a really is a is a really important rule that we can acknowledge something. We can be inspired by something, but we don't want to directly copy that formula because then it's not. It's not ours. Right. But I, I do think, you know, it, it helps you learn and grow to do that in your in your bedroom. And, you know, we all, I think it, we all have our, you know, I, I want to learn that Beyonce choreography. I want to, you know, like, I, <laughs> yes, you know, and, and there's something to that. And then, it, you know, you can take a little piece of it and carry it with you, you know, but, you know, we don't have to go all in on that. Right, exactly. I mean, it got to the point where I was like jutting out my jaw because I was obsessed with her jawline that I was like, I want that yeah. jawline. It oh was like, it was getting like, help him, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, it, I, but but she still inspires me to this day. And I put in a little patty. I put in a little Adina. I put in a yeah. little bet. bet I mean, I and a- nobody really knows that you're doing that because it is being channeled through through Michael. So it's it's going to come out differently no matter what. It's my medium. It's it's in the yeah. medium of myself, and that's and yeah. that's also that's also a really important lesson is that understanding that and what does Sondheim say in in um, in uh, 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 George uh, in um, Sunday the Park with George, mm-hmm. you know, anything you do, let it uh, let it come from you, then it will be new. That's right. That's exactly right. And speaking of Sondheim, you know, I I am a lot of times I'm on these panels of. Um, you know, judging for awards or grants or whatever. So I hear a lot of uh, pieces and um, yeah, it's just really interesting because some people do still think like I must, well, Sondheim was the best. So I'm just going to emulate Sondheim or I I love JRB so much. So I'm just going to write, I hope it just sounds like JRB. And then, you know, like I love those artists too, but I want to, I want to be pushing and seeing what's next or, you know, where can I, where can I take a little JRB and mix it with a little of this um, Brazilian pop song that I heard the other day. That was so cool. You know, like where, how can I like take all the influences instead of just like the one influence, you know, and then, and then when you start channeling all these different influences through you, what happens? Right. 
Yes. Oh, I love that. Now, unfortunately, we have to we have to wrap and I could literally talk to you for hours and um I and I plan on doing so. But uh <laughs> but I I I you know, as a wrap, I do want to know what what and we spoke directly to writers a few minutes ago, but what is some um, advice that you would give budding multi-hyphenates? You you cross-pollinate music directing, writing, orchestrating. So, um what would you like to talk to budding musical multi-hyphenates about? I would say balance is the thing that you need to be striving for the most. Um, You will feel yourself going too far, maybe in one direction. And that's when you can tell you're, you're maybe suddenly you're more stressed out than usual. You're not as happy um, really look at why that is. So if you've been music directing for six months straight and haven't been able to write at all, that could be part of it. So can you allow yourself to say, you know what, for at least two to three weeks, I'm going to do nothing but write. Then, then that's, that's what you need to do. So try and look, try and create your opportunities around finding the balance. That's, that's what I try and do. And tying that into our theme of happiness today we have to balance everything to stay happy, right? Like everything is good in moderation, you know, chocolate, Mm -hmm. chocolate, Mm -hmm. a drink, binging Netflix, everything is good in moderation. So, and that ties into our hyphenates, right? Do an hour of this, an hour of that, take a little break, have your brain reset, take a shower and brush your teeth. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, you got to do that, (laughs) take care of yourself, but balance. And I love that. I love that. Rona, where can we find you on social media? Um, I am on Instagram as embarrassingly crazy fingers 10. <laughs> um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, although I don't really use Twitter because I find it toxic. Um, so, and then of course my website, as Michael mentioned at the top of the show. So you are amazing. You are amazing. And to, and to tie it off with a pretty bow, I ask my listeners to answer in their own way, whether or not they contact me or they journal about it, or they uh, do a new project based on this, but something that we talked about in the beginning was storytelling. And I think that is, you know, that has been a theme with this episode on top of happiness. But I guess the question that I'm going to ask is when did implementing storytelling into your life ignite happiness? And I would love for you to ruminate on that as you uh, finish listening to this podcast episode and go to your next uh, endeavor of the day. And I hope that it inspires you. Um, Rona, thank you so much, so much, so much, so much for coming on this episode today. I'm feeling inspired listening to you. Uh, I'm feeling ignited and happy, and I can't wait to continue our own personal conversations with each other and uh, work with you again in the future. Same, same, Michael. I'm so happy that you're doing this. You're so brilliant at it. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone to listening for, well, to listening. How about for listening? Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to Dory and Alan and uh, Brett and Katie. Uh, Thank you to the Broadway podcast network team. You are amazing. And as always follow dear multi hyphenate on Instagram or at the Michael Kushner on Instagram and keep in touch and enjoy, uh, your week. And I can't wait for you to listen to the next episode. Thank you all much love. This podcast is produced by the Broadway podcast network. 
Make sure to find me online via Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at the Dressing Room Project, or on Twitter at m Kushner Photo, and visit me online via bpn.fm forward slash dear multi hyphenate. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.